Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 23. Um, for that, maybe I just say a short prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning where we can come together to uh, worship you together. Um, I just pray that you speak to us, Lord, and you reveal um, your truth to us, <clears throat> and that uh, you speak uh, to uh, our pastor today. Um, uh, your words, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in all in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of God. Good morning. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the, uh, the book of Ephesians and the way that we've been able to uh, look at it as a church uh, at the moment. Uh, we do pray that as we uh, work through this section, that you would help us know you better through it. That you would be uh, working in us through through your spirit to help us know and trust you better. Please do that great work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm sorry to be the one to break the news to you, but it's less than 10 weeks Christmas. I know of people, I wonder if you know them too, who have used lockdown to write all their Christmas cards and have done all their Christmas shopping. They're actually all good to go. Do you know people like that? Well, for them, that's not for the most of us. We might now or in the coming, uh, coming weeks start thinking and planning for Christmas. But when it comes to buying presents, I, I find this difficult at the best of times because I like to buy uh, people things that they need. And so I struggled to think of things that they need at a particular time, like Christmas or birthdays. I really should write a list as, as I think of as something someone needs and then write it down. But anyway, Emily, uh, my wife, she's an excellent, she's an amazing uh, gift giver. She's not constrained by what people need and will happily buy fun and enjoyable things that, uh, that people will like. And so I'm really glad that we we're in a team in this together. But there is one person in our lives that's super difficult to buy for. We both find it really hard. You see, this person has everything, everything they need, things you didn't know that you need, and plenty of things you really don't need. You see, they have it all. Their house is just full of stuff, so much stuff, and we don't want to add to it. They have everything. And while an experience might have worked in the past, well, COVID has really thrown a spanner in the works for us this year. What do you get that person who has everything? 
Well, last week we saw that God's blessed us, those who trust in Jesus, God's blessed us in their heavens with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have it all. We lack nothing with every spiritual blessing. And so how do you pray for people who have everything? How do you pray for those who have every spiritual blessing? How do we pray for each other knowing this? Well, that's what we'll see uh, this morning. Have a look there from verse uh, 15. Uh, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. As we read the Bible, we need to keep an eye out for the connectives, words like therefore, so, and in this case, for this reason. And we need to look out for these and ask and ask ourselves, what's the reason uh, that he's talking about? Well, it's what we looked at last week, that they've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Do you remember? He chose us before the creation of the world. He predestined us for adoption to sonship, to be part of his family. He redeemed us by the blood of Jesus. He forgave us. And he gave us the Holy Spirit as a seal, as a mark, as a down payment of what's to come. You see, for this reason, uh, that is, they have everything and like nothing, God, uh, Paul prays and gives thanks to God for them. And notice what he's thankful for there in verse 15. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus. You see, he's thankful for their faith. We saw last week in verse 13 that to hear the word, the message of truth and to believe, well, that is what makes someone a Christian. And so Paul is thankful for the way that they have heard the message and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and are living out their lives in service of him. But he's also heard about their love for all God's people, verse 15. That is, their love for the saints, for God's holy people. You see, Paul gives thanks for their faith and love, the way that they love and and care for their fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And notice how Paul gives thanks to God for the way they've loved all of God's people. Notice that? It's not just, oh, the way they've loved the lovable types, their mates, but actually the way they've loved all the saints, all of God's people, those who are difficult smelly, completely different to us. They love them all. And can I tell you, it's one of the things that I'm thankful for about COVID and Zoom Church. We, really, I have forced you to speak with different people you wouldn't normally speak with. And I think as a result of that, we've experienced a more loving church as a result. We've all got to know each other better as we've prayed together and and reflected on the scriptures together. You see, our love for each other has grown, and so I'm thankful to God for your faith and love. And notice how Paul doesn't thank and praise them. Oh, well done you guys. No, he doesn't do that at all. He he gives thanks to God for them. Thank you for these people, Father God, he says. And so let me encourage you. As you see people's faith and love in each other, pray to God. Give thanks for for what you've seen in, in the expressions of faith and love among your brothers and sisters in Christ.
You see, you see this this section here reminds me of the newsletters that I receive by email. I wonder if you get them as well. You know, the ones from like people like Dan or or Simon from from uh, Deacon Christian Union, uh, in our friends in Asia. Uh, they tell us about people who have come to faith and who express their faith by loving fellow believers. And although it's most likely that we'll never ever meet these people, that doesn't stop us praying for these people, does it? and giving thanks to God for them in the way that they for their faith and, and love. And you see, when we do that to them, we're being just like Paul here, uh, who's heard of their faith and love and given thanks to God for them. And so here's my encouragement to you. Next time you pray in line of those newsletters that, that you get sent, why don't you hit reply and tell them that you prayed Ephesians 1 for them. Of course, pray Ephesians 1 for them, not just say it, but, but pray Ephesians 1 for them, but tell them. Do you know they will be greatly encouraged uh, if, if you do that? Why don't you do that? You see, Paul begins his prayer by giving thanks for their faith and love. And while they have every spiritual blessing in Christ, Paul wants more for them. He wants them to know God better. Have a look here from uh, from verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul prays that they'll know God better or in the knowledge of him, as you see in the ESV, uh, that uh, that they'll come as, and that'll come as God gives them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, now the spirit here has been capitalized in lots of translations and, and it kind of shows that it's referring to the Holy Spirit. You see this phrase, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, it's really referring to the work of the Holy Spirit in illumination, where the Holy Spirit illuminates, gives us wisdom, gives us understanding about God. And he does that through the revealed word, through, through revelation. You see, the Holy Spirit plays a vital role in helping us today know God better. As we read the scriptures, as we read the word, as we read revelation, he gives us wisdom and understanding to know God better. You see, the Spirit worked in the past uh, as he worked in the apostles and led them to write the Bible down for us, God's revealed word, that we today may be able to read it. And know God. And, but the Spirit's work continues today. He continues to help us understand the Bible, that we may know God better, to grow in our knowledge of Him. You see, the Spirit is vital to help us know God better through His Word. But please, please note, this isn't a prayer for more Spirit, as if you need more, you've only got a little bit, this is more, you need a second blessing or the like. No, 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 they, absolutely not. This is not what this is saying. Remember last week? You have every spiritual blessing. We've already been given the Spirit. Uh, uh, he already lives and dwells within us. And so if someone tells you, oh, you need more, you need more of the Holy Spirit, you don't have enough, you're missing out, you can tell them, no, we have every spiritual blessing in their heavens in Christ. Thank you very much. And then you can take them to this passage. We can't get the Holy Spirit any more than we already have. He already lives and dwells within us. You see, it's kind of like a wedding. Uh, vows are exchanged. Rings, uh, vows are given. Rings are exchanged. Formal document, documentation is signed. Uh, 
Uh, just like for Alan and, and Steph back in Maine, who were married on, on YouTube for all to see. Now they are married and, and can't get any more married than they already are. But to say they need to get married again just because we couldn't be present among them, well, that's just crazy. They're already married. They've had their wedding. They, they can't be any more married than they already are. You see, post-COVID, they can have a celebration, but it, but it won't be another wedding because they're already married. They can't get more married than they already are. But what they can do is they can actually get to know each other better, more deeply, more intimately. You see, Steph, you'll come to realise uh as you get to know Alan more deeply, is how little you knew about Alan before you were married. Likewise, Alan, Alan and Alan for Steph. You see, you can't get more married, but you can certainly get to know each other more better, more deeply, more intimately. And you see, that is what Paul prays here. We can't get any closer to God. He already lives and dwells within us by his spirit. But we can know him better, more intimately, and you see, that is the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who brings out that illumination within us. Verse 17, that we may know him better, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He prays that we'll know God better, and this is just one sentence, uh, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Enlightened. They saw back then, back then, as Paul wrote, the heart was seen as the whole body, the mind, the emotions, everything about the person. And he said, he wants them, he, he wants us to truly grasp God's truths, that we would know him better and serve him with our whole lives in response. You see, this isn't just knowledge for knowledge's sake, that we may be puffed up and, and pass some exam. You see, this isn't about an exam. This knowledge is relational that we may know him better, truly grasp and comprehend God better, and that that would be seen in the way that we love God and love others. You see, Paul prays that we'll know God better. Welcome back. Well, Paul wants these believers to know God better. And he gives us three prayer points. Have a look here from verse uh, 18 that you may know the hope to which he has called you, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. We'll look at each of those in turn, but let's first look at that first one there, the hope of God's call. Again, verse 18, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. You see, Paul wants them to grasp, to remember the hope of God's call. When we first put our faith in the Lord Jesus, we responded to God's call. We were called out of, away from the dominion of darkness, in rags, blinded, polluted. But we were called into his glorious light, being washed, clothed, favoured. Like we saw last week, we were redeemed by his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You see, this is what God has called us to. And part of this calling is our great hope. Uh, and the hopes, what we look forward to in Christ, it's the hope of, of Christ's return. But this isn't a hope we see in the world. Like 
but this isn't the hope like that we see in the world. Like I hope that, that Dan Andrews will let us free soon. Come on. Or, or I hope my football team wins again one day soon. Or I hope I get that promotion. No, no, no. This is a sure and guaranteed hope. Jesus died and, and rose from the dead, giving us a definite, guaranteed hope. We have a certain hope for the future. When there'll be no more sin, suffering, pain or death, there'll be no more gossip, division, being let down, inconsistency, all that will be gone. You see, this is our future. This is our hope that Paul wants us to truly grasp. Because knowing the hope of God's call really transforms how we live our lives today. You see, knowing where we're going changes the way we live now. You see, my early 20s, I moved to London. I had no time frame of when I would return. And because I was going to London, I needed to make some big changes. I needed to, to, to sell my car and, and stop uh cancel my phone and cancel my memberships and, and say goodbye to my friends. And because I was going to London, I, I changed the way I lived before I went. And, and it's the same for us. For us who trust in Jesus, we're going to heaven. That is our assured hope. That is guaranteed. And because we're going there, we are to live transformed lives now. We're to live our lives now in light of where we're going. So as we saw earlier in verse 4, we'll want to live holy and blameless lives because that is the life that we have been called to. Paul wants them, Paul wants us to truly grasp the hope of God's call, to truly know God better in this, that it's seen in our lives. Paul wants them to grasp the hope of God's call. And the second, and second, he wants them to know that we're precious to God. Again, verse 18, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. When we read this, we might think that it's really similar to that previous point, that we would understand our inheritance that's to come, you know, like the, the hope that's, that's to be realized in the future, where we're going, heaven. But have another look and be attentive to the pronouns there, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Did you notice that? It's talking about his inheritance, not ours, but his God's inheritance in his holy people. Now, what's going on here? How can we be God's inheritance? You see, back in the Old Testament, Israel were described as God's inheritance or uh heritage depending on your translation the, the same thing uh, they were the people god loved and they were his inheritance his prized treasured possession here's, here's an example from psalm 33 blessed is the nation whose god is the lord the people he chose for his inheritance israel were special precious to god they were his inheritance his prized treasured possession and in ephesians we see that god's inheritance here is is widened not just the the israelites the jews but actually to include all of god's people all of those who have come to put their faith in the lord jesus those who have we are god's inheritance we're precious to god his prized treasured possession did you realize how important you are to God? 
how important we are together are to God. You see, Paul prays that we would truly grasp how precious we are to God and how important we are to each other. And so that we would grow and encourage one another in the Lord, reminding each other of of these truths of our preciousness to God. You see, Paul prays that they'll know God better, truly grasp God more. First, by knowing the hope of God's call, and second, by knowing how precious we are to God. And and finally, uh, that we would know the greatness of God's power. Look there at verse 19. That you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. If we've been a Christian for any length of time, we, we know God's power. He created the world, the universe, by the power of his word. And if you just scan through the rest of the passage, he was raised, he raised, God raised Jesus from the dead. He seated Jesus high above every rule and authority and all things are under his feet. We know that God is exceedingly powerful. But did you notice what it says, verse 19? His incomparably great power for us. Who believe. Oh, we know God's powerful, but we see here that His power is for us. We have God's abundant power at our disposal. And, and we'll see as we continue in Ephesians, this power will help us engage in the ongoing spiritual warfare that we face as believers, chapter 6, and, and that to share in His divine glory that will be there on that final day. You see, God wants us to obtain full salvation. That on that final day when Jesus returns in glory and raises all up with him and that those people who have been declared his people, God gives us his power that we can get there on that final day. He uses that power for us to bring us to salvation, our final destination. You see, Paul wants us to know, to, to truly grasp God's power for us. You see, God is so powerful. And and despite the world we live and the temptations we face, the opposition and hostility towards our our faith, uh, you see, God, despite all those difficulties and hardness that we face today living in this present age, God gives us power to help us press on, the power to stick with him even when it feels like everyone and the world and the government and all these people are against us. You see, he gives us that power so that we will reach salvation at his glorious appearing of Christ. And you see, if we doubt God's power, Paul reminds us of how powerful he really is. Have a look there from verse 19. That power, the power that's there for us, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. You see, what dead man can live to tell the story? You see, only Jesus who truly died. He was judged. He faced the full anger and fury of God's judgment for our sin. But you see, death could not hold him down. He rose in glory alive to tell the story. And he continues to live. That is great power to raise someone from the dead. But we see God's power in verse 22. And as he seated him, Jesus, at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly realms, 
far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. You see, Jesus' power uh, in God, sorry, God's power in seating Jesus next to his right hand in the heaven shows his supreme honor and ultimate honor, his, his ex, uh, executive power, authority over, over everything. You see, Jesus is powerful uh, authority, uh, uh, rules over all things. He has more power than the prime minister or premier for that matter, than, than any world ruler or dictator. You see, Jesus rules above them all in the heavens. In verse 22, God's placed all things under his feet. You see, this shows the complete dominion he has over all things. You see, this great power of God is used to elevate Christ into these positions, his authority over all things in dominion. But finally, verse 22, have a look there. God's appointed him to be head over everything. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, this is a bit of a complex, uh, complex sentence, and so let's, let's take it bit by bit. God's appointed Jesus head over everything. And we've seen this already in verse 10. We saw that God's plan was to bring all things united under his lordship. We've already seen in our passage that he rules in the heavens with complete dominion. Jesus is the head over the entire universe. But the surprising thing here is that he's appointed him head over everything for the church. You see that? He rules over everything in the universe for the benefit of the church. And while Jesus is the head over the universe and the church, a distinction is made here. The church is his body. You see, the universe isn't described like that. Only the church is the body of Christ, not the universe. And so it actually shows us the significance of the church here, doesn't it? that the church, we are important in God's plans. And as head, Jesus directs the body. Jesus directs uh, the church. Uh, years ago, when Em and I uh, visited a farm and had the chance to prepare some chickens uh, to eat. And did you know that when you cut the head off a chicken, uh, it'll run around for a while and then eventually it will fall over? But the chicken needs its head for it to continue to, for its body to continue to work, for it to continue to run around. And it's the same for us with the church. Christ is the head of the church. He directs his church through his word. We'll continue there from verse 23. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You see, us as the church are filled by Christ. He completes us as the church. He fills up with everything in every way. That is, Jesus, he fills the church with all that we need, with his spirit, with with grace, with his gifts, as we'll see in chapter 4, and of course, his power. You see, these verses show the significance of the church within God's plans and purposes. But not that we can boast and think we're awesome, because who we are is only because we're attached to the head. You see, we're dependent as the body on the head. We're dependent on Christ who gives us these things. You see, God uses his incomparably great power for us who believe. And he uses his power, 
He uses this power to give us assurance that we will make it to salvation in the end. It's a what a wonderful thing to be praying for each other, particularly during times of persecution, difficulty, hardship, but also in times of prosperity and peace. You see, Paul prays for these Christians who have everything, every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. He prays they'll know God better, know him better in the hope of their calling, know him better that they are precious to God and know him better of his great power towards us. If you're ever stuck for knowing what to pray for a fellow Christian who has everything in the spiritual, everything in the heavens, pull out this passage and pray these things for your fellow uh, believers, that they'll know God better. And so let's do that now, shall we? Let's pray and, and use this passage as a guide. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for the faith and love that is seen in your people here at um, CSAC. I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters in Christ here who continue to display faith and love during great difficult times as, as a church, as a society, and have continued to, to grow in these areas in faith and love of one another. Father, I thank you so much for them. Father, but I want more for them. I want to see them grow. I want to see them know you better. And so, Father, I pray that you would give them your spirit, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they may know you better, that they may know and remember the hope to which you have called them, the hope to which you have called us, the wonderful hope in the new creation when Christ will return and the pain and agony and difficulty of this world will be gone. Father, I pray that you would give them that they may know you better, that we are precious to you. How amazing that we are precious to you. Father, grow them in that way too. And finally, I pray that you would grow them, grow us, uh, to know that how great your power is for us who believe, that your great power is there, uh, being with us in the difficulties and hardness and, and good times as well, bringing us to, to, to make sure that we make it there on that final day. Father, grow us in these, grow us in our understanding of you in these things, that we may know you better, that we may trust you more in all areas of life and demonstrate that in our love of you and love and service of others. Father, please help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.